let us... Brought to you by Charity Mobile, the phone company that sends 5% of your monthly plan price to your favorite charity. No contracts, nationwide coverage, risk-free guarantee. Learn more at CharityMobile.com. Today is the Feast of the Ascension of our Lord. It is also a holy day of obligation. So if you haven't gone to Mass yet, please go to Mass and observe the holy day of obligation. Now, that having been said, in addition to this piece from Father John A. Harden, one of the last good Jesuits, although there are still a few good Jesuits today, in addition to this one, you will have a news story. And if you're watching this later in the day, please check out the news story today because it is going to definitely be of interest to you, to put it mildly. It's a story of Cardinal Gerhard Mueller calling out Francis for essentially abusing the papacy for his own ends and for his own ideological ends. And then some examples of what some might think are that from the news. So go check that out if you are interested. But let's get to Father John A. Harden, as he tells us that the ascension of our Lord is a promise. On the feast of the ascension of our Lord, which is the closing of our Lord's stay visibly on earth, this is both a commemoration and a promise and a condition. It is, first of all, a commemoration. Christ really rose from the dead. Christ really ascended into heaven. Forty days after his resurrection, our Lord disappeared visibly from this earth and physically, geographically, historically, went to heaven. Christ's ascension is a historical fact. The ascension of our Lord is also a promise. It is a promise because no less than Jesus we were conceived, born, we shall die, we shall rise from the dead, and we too will be assumed into heaven. What is the promise? The promise is that provided we have followed Jesus Christ during our mortal stay here on earth, we will rise from the dead. Let's be clear. Our bodies will rise from the dead. We never die. We never die. We never die. Our souls live on, but we too will have our rising from the dead and our being assumed by Christ ascending into heaven. The ascension has to do with the body. I repeat, the ascension has to do with the body. Christ, therefore, having lived visibly on earth, having risen from the dead, ascended visibly into heaven, and we too will one day in our bodies go to heaven. But finally, today's feast is also a condition. We shall rise from the dead, but our bodies will conditionally go to heaven to join the ascended body of Jesus Christ, on one condition, that like him, we have to pay the price. We have to pay the price of our ascending in body to our heavenly destiny. What's the price? The price is pain with our body. Suffering is a condition for our bodily resurrection that's coming out in our bodily ascension that is going up. All the sufferings of the body, all the trials of our body, all the resisting of the temptations of the body, all the control of our bodily passions, all the sacrifice of our bodies, all the acts of charity that we've got to practice with our bodies, all of this, we believe, is to be rewarded. Today is then both the promise of our reaching heaven with our bodies, but it is also a sobering condition. We are living in the laziest society of human history. Americans work the least. Americans eat the most. Americans sleep the longest. Americans exert themselves with the least their bodies. Americans live longest of any major nation in the world. Oh, how we cater to this body. I repeat, we too are to have our ascension Thursday, but there is a condition that we use our bodies by sacrificing them, that we use our bodies to suffer with them, that we use our bodies in joining with Jesus Christ and undergoing his passion, his death, so that like having him having risen from the dead, we too will one day ascend into heaven. 
Amen. This is a short reflection from Father John A. Harden that I hope today will get you ready for Mass. And I would like to ask you an important question here. The way he closed that, that we should essentially mortify our bodies. We hear a lot about fasting. In, yet, in over the centuries, really, the church has lightened, enlightened, enlightened the fasting and abstinence. Now, most people think of fasting only as something you do during Lent. And even then, they think fasting means having a light lunch and a light dinner and eating a hearty breakfast or, well, one hearty meal in the day and two lighter meals and think that's fasting. When fasting is defined as the absence of food, you don't eat. And once upon a time, that's what fasting was in the church. And we've even seen like the rise in popular health culture, things like intermittent fasting, which is still not really fasting. It's just eating your food for the day in a specific window of time, which certainly means that you'll probably be hungry, at least till your body adjusts. But that's all at best. It's like the hint of fasting. It's not real fasting. And our Eastern Orthodox separated brothers have much stricter Lenten fast than we do. But it's telling because some time ago, the church decided that we didn't need to even abstain from meat on Fridays anymore as long as we picked up some other mortification. And it usually leaves up to us what that mortification is. And when we get suggestions from priests, they're often really wishy-washy suggestions that really don't equal the sort of suffering that comes with just avoiding meat. Because anybody who is an omnivore will tell you that avoiding meat can actually start affecting your health. And it's something that is a mortification in itself. And there are very few of these picking up extra prayers and things that are really a mortification. And it's actually kind of weird in a way to think of praying as a mortification. Although I suppose there's some theology beyond it. But what other mortifications would you suggest for mortifying the body? In addition, of course, to returning to a more traditional Catholic fasting regimen. Today is the Feast of the Ascension. Tomorrow is a Friday. And traditionally, we abstain from meat. Maybe you abstain from one of your meals of the day. Certainly eating fish, if you don't like fish, is can be a form of mortification. I don't particularly care for fish unless, unless it's prepared very specific ways. And I can't usually afford to do that, or I can't usually afford to take my family out to dinner for a thing like that, especially on a Friday, which seems to defy the spirit of fasting anyway. So how, what other mortifications do you recommend? To bring ourselves back to this spirit of mortification, the spirit of sacrifice, bearing in mind that we will one day be resurrected from the dead, and we will either ascend to heaven, or we will descend into perdition. Some object, of course, to this on the very basic grounds that Father John Harden is a member of the Jesuits, and he passed away in the late 1990s, and if you're very familiar with his work, he was a very big defender of Vatican II. He was also a friend of Father Malachi Martin and uh, the late Father Coons, who was uh, dispatched with, by, shall we say, by the enemies of the church in a fairly brutal manner. And then Father Hardin himself passed away not long after Malachi Martin did, and Malachi Martin passed away under similar circumstances, all of them within like a year or two of each other. It was a little strange, according to some observers. And I would caution people who do not like Father Malachi Martin, or do not like Father uh, Hardin because of his association with Vatican II and his defense of it. Again, and the, the, there's a difference at looking at the crisis in the church in the mid-1990s or in the 1980s compared to now, 30 years later. 
And we can speculate on what his opinion would be today of the state of things and the role of the council and all these other things versus what somebody who watched things unfold and was sort of in the thick of it would see because of oftentimes when you're in the middle of a mess, you can't really get a good glimpse of the mess itself. Instead, I would just take Father Harden's words here and his advice, which is 100% Catholic, and really reflect on it because I will be the first to admit, many traditionalists talk a good game about fasting, about abstinence, about mortification and acts of penance and charity and the rest, but we often don't walk the talk. We just talk the talk. We don't walk it. So what would be some of your suggestions? Let me know in the comments as we move towards, well, the time after Pentecost, or as we move towards Pentecost. Pentecost is a week from today. Well, it's a week from this coming Sunday. And then afterwards, we head into what they call the Novus Ordo, ordinary time, a very strange concept, ordinary time. What we traditionalists usually refer to as just time after Pentecost, as we head towards the, uh, the spring and summer months, and then towards with an eye towards the fall fasting seasons. Anyway, let me know in the comments, please. Like and subscribe if you haven't. It does help. So to sharing this on social media, that helps a lot, too. And as always, pray for the church. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.